0: James in James chapter 1 verse 17 would say that every good every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights who does not change like a shifting shadow. Every good thing in your life has come from the Lord. It is a gift from the Lord to you. Jesus would say that as a father, I know how to give good gifts to my children. If they ask for bread, I'm not going to give them a stone. I'm not going to give them something that they don't need. I'm not going to give them something that will hurt them. And that if I, being a sinner, being flawed, if I know how to give, give good things to my children, how much more does our heavenly Father love us and want to give good things to us? See, the Lord prepares a table before us, and he gives us abundant blessing. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking about how so, many, so much of our lives is often spent worrying about the future. We're worried about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, what we're going to do. But Jesus says this, Do not, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you focus on that, all of these things, all those things that you're worried about, all those things that you think you need, they will be provided for you. You see, when you come to the table of the Lord, he will provide for you every single time. And just like David, the Lord has prepared a table before each one of us today. The question is, are we choosing to eat at that table? Are we choosing to spend time at the table that the Lord has prepared for us? We're not forced into the table. He prepares it, but it's really our choice if we're going to spend time at the Lord's table. Are you spurning the invitation from the Lord, from your shepherd, to spend time at a table? Have you ever prepared for somebody to come and they ended up not being able to come? Do you ever consider that the Lord has prepared for you and sometimes we don't show up to that table? When we think about it, it's, an, it's, it's unbelievable to consider that, that we would ever take an opportunity to go sit with the Lord and at his table and that we would forsake that opportunity, but we do it every day, a lot of us. We need to spend time with him. We need to read his word. We need to pray to him. We need to fellowship with him. And when we do it, we are sitting at his table. So often we prioritize other activities. The Lord has prepared this table before us, but we choose to X, Y, or Z. We've looked at the table, but I want you to know something else about what the Lord prepares for us and what he has for us in his home and the situation that we're in. We have the table, but he says... We talk about his enemies, our our enemies as well. He says, you prepare a table before me where in the presence of my enemies. Now, there's no escaping the truth of this, that in this life we will have hard things that we go through. Last week, we spent the whole week talking about fear and we talked about the valley of the shadow of death. And the truth is, no matter how fast we run, no matter how quickly we try to move, that we will not outrun the problems and the trials and the tribulations of this world. It's just a matter matter of fact. Last week, we talked about this, the words that Jesus himself said. He said, you will have suffering in this world. And so often we think that if we follow Jesus, that everything will just work perfect in our life. And when we don't follow Jesus, that that's why we have problems in our life. Just this morning, I finished reading the book of Job. And what it is that he has this hardship that's come on him, his friends say, no, surely you've done something wrong because there's bad things happening to you. Now, that's a faulty view of of God and a faulty view of suffering, but it's one that so many of us adopt without even realizing it. But the truth is is that in this world, we will have suffering. Why would we expect not to? The man that we're following and trying to be like, this world crucified, beaten, crucified. So if that's what we're trying to do, we can expect that this world will hate us just the same, and that in this world we will have suffering. David acknowledges here that the Lord does not prepare him after vanquishing his enemies. Rather, the Lord would do it in spite of his enemies, and not only in spite of them, but in the very presence of his enemies. You see, the Lord is saying that he is preparing a table for us in full view of the troubles and the trials and the tribulations of this world. Sure, we're still going to face the issues of the world. We're still going to have opportunities where we're going to have to figure things out in this life because this world is broken and our lives are marked by sin as long as we're on this world. We can't ignore the problems. They don't just go away when we pretend like they're not there. But our enemies and our problems, they have no true power over any of us. You see, the only power our enemies have in this life, and I'm not talking about people when I say enemies, I'm talking about the the evil system of this world and the trials and the tribulations, the only power they truly have over us as sheep of the great shepherd is the power that we gift them. But when we sit in the presence of our shepherd, he is our defender. Listen to these words, these great words from the book of Romans 8, 31 and following. Paul would write to the Roman church and said, What then are we to say about these things, these troubles, these, these, these trials, these hard things? If God is for us, who's against us? He did not even spare his own son, but he gave him up for all of us. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect, his followers, the children of God? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one that condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? What affliction, what distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, no enemies that place before us, no death, no life, nor angels or rulers or things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, there's nothing that is more powerful than the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing that can separate you from the Lord. There's nothing that can keep you away from his table. When the Lord prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies, they cannot keep you from coming to the shepherd. He is your defender. He is the one that is calling you. But here's a secret that most of us don't figure out in life until it's too late, is that we as people, we can't do anything in our own ability. We can't fight our enemies, we can't even come to the Lord's table in our own ability. It's only through the Lord that we can do anything. The Bible said, Psalm 27, verse 1, "'Unless the Lord builds a house, its laborers build in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain.'" Jesus would say it this way, "'Apart from me, you can do nothing.'" See, there's nothing in this life that we can do, but on the same, in the same thought, on the other side of that coin, the enemy can do nothing to us apart from the Lord allowing it. Now, there's a lot of things, just like, like I said, I read the book of Job. There's things in the book of Job that I don't think I will ever understand in this life. But I, over the last several days, I've been reading through it, and it is difficult to read through these arguments that they're making over and over again. This morning, it was a breath of fresh air when the Lord responded. But what did the Lord say? He said, where, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Do you know where the, where the snow is held before it falls to the earth? Do you know anything about any of this? Who are you to question me? What we do know is that the Lord is a good shepherd. And when he allows adversity and enemies into our life, we know that it will be for our good and it will be for his glory every single time. But we can know that when we come to the Lord's table, that we are not there just in the presence of our enemies, but they are not allowed a seat at the table. We are at the Lord's table and they are not invited. The Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are protected. So I want to ask you this tonight. Are you seated at the Lord's table? Are you standing? Are you prepared to fight the enemies that are before you, the problems of this life? Are you chasing after them, trying to eliminate them on your own? Or are you taking the moment and resting and sitting at the table that the Lord has prepared for you? Because he does it in the presence. He doesn't always get rid of the enemies. In the presence of the enemies is how he does it. But he will provide for you. There is abundant blessing and there is protection from your enemies at the Lord's table. Third thing I want us to look at is the oil. He says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, the significance of this reference can easily be lost on us today because, let's be honest, if you went to someone's house for dinner tonight and they started pouring oil on your head, you probably aren't going to stay for dessert. You're probably going to get out of there pretty quickly. But in the Bible times, this was not only customary, this was an honorable thing to do to your guests. Anointing their head with oil. And often this oil would, would be mixed with perfume, and it would be an aromic aromatic, a fragrance that would be very pleasant and would mark this person as having honor. If you think about it, these people would have been traveling. They would have been around the animals. They would have been probably sweating in the hot sun. There was a lot of uncomfortable things when it would come to traveling in this day. And when somebody would come into your house, it was a thing of honor to anoint them with oil, it would make them smell better. It would make them feel better, and it would signify to everybody around them that they are a person of honor in this house. The Bible speaks of over and over again about anointing with oil as a thing of honor in in the early church. In the early times, in the times of the Scripture, it was a mark of friendship. It was a mark of acceptance. It was a mark of celebration of that person, and it would mark them as an honored guest. Now, I want you to think about that. It marks them as an honored guest. See, I have to think here that David's bragging a little bit. He's saying, the Lord, my shepherd, he anointed me with oil. He is anointing my head with oil. You see, David recognized here that he was an honored guest of the Lord at his table. David was celebrating the fact that he was the Lord's honored guest. Now, there's a famous interaction in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus had in, in a time when he went in for dinner and with an anointing with oil. I want to read this passage for about 10 verses because I help. I think this verse will help us to understand the custom of the day and the significance of being anointed with oil. The Bible says in Luke 7, 36 and following, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. So Jesus entered the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. Now, you know, they wouldn't have chairs like we'd have today, and they would kind of lay on their side and recline all around the table. And a woman in the town that was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume. She stood behind him, and he's laying on the ground, so she comes up behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet, with her hair, kissed him, and anointed him with the perfume that she brought. Now when the Pharisees saw this, they missed everything that was happening. He said, "Now this man, if he were a prophet, he would know who it was and what kind of woman that was touching him. She's a sinner. He does not even understand who this person is. If, they, if he Jesus really knew who this woman was, he would want absolutely nothing to do with her. But Jesus replied and said, "Simon, I have something to say to you." Say it, teacher. He had no idea what was coming for him. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. Which one of them will love him more? The Pharisee answered, I suppose the one who forgave, he forgave more. You have judged correctly, he told him. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for your feet, but she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. See, you gave me no kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You did not anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Now, Jesus' host in this situation, in this story, did not care to anoint him with oil because this Pharisee did not truly see Jesus as an honored guest in his home. You see that by him almost mocking Jesus. If you knew who this was, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even let her do this. So this Pharisee did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And as a result, he did not have the honor and give him the honor that was due him. But this woman, she knew exactly who Jesus was. So much so that she would not even anoint his head with oil, but would anoint his feet because she did not feel worthy to do anything more. Now, I want you to think about this. How humbling and honoring it is for the Lord to anoint you, your head, with oil. That's what the Bible says, that when we come to his table, we are his sheep. He is our shepherd, that he anoints our head with oil. It means that you are the guest of honor at this table. He has prepared for you a seat of honor, a special place. And if you don't believe me, that the Lord seats us in a special place. The Bible speaks incredibly clearly about the honor that the Lord gives every single one of us, the most famous verse in all of Scripture. Think about the honor that this shows that the Lord has given to each and every single one of us, the value that he has placed on our lives. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. See, the Lord didn't just anoint your head with oil. That's not just the limit to the value that he saw and how honored you are in his presence. He sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty for each and every one of our sins. How could you possibly honor anyone more than that? And the Bible says that when we are following Jesus, that he, he anoints us and he lifts us up and places us in a seat of great honor. Paul would write to the Ephesian church, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love that he has for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. Trespasses. You were saved by grace. He has also raised us up with him, and he has seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? When you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God seats you in heaven with Christ Jesus. Talking about a seat of honor. And the Bible says here, David says here that the Lord, who was a shepherd, invites him to his table in the presence of his enemy and anoints his head with oil and places him in a place of honor. The final thing I want us to look at tonight is the cup. This is the cup, the Bible says, ends this verse in verse 5. My cup overflows. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now, we're all familiar with the idea of, is your cup, you look at the cup half empty, or do you look at it half full? So you know the, the idea here is that if you look at this People that say half-empty look at life typically from a more pessimistic state in life, think things are probably worse than they are. But somebody that's looking and has great excitement for the future says, hey, it's halfway full. So let's just be honest here. Who here is a half-full kind of person? We got full, Not very many. Who's a half-empty kind of person? Uh, there's a whole lot of half-half. You're just kind of in the middle. So... I typically tend to be the half full kind of person because I, I kind of, I can't stand the idea and I don't think I would survive a world in which everything was half empty all the time. And so I, I like to see things half full, but I don't always do it. A lot of times I go to the half empty. I look at things and think, ah, oh, it's not going to work out. But the reality is, as Christians, we're not meant to be either in the way we live our lives. We are meant to be an overflowing cup kind of people. See, our lives are not meant to be half full or half empty at any point. Our, lo- our cups, when we're walking with the Lord, when we're sitting at his table, our cups will be overflowing. See, when you rely on yourself to fill up your cup, the thing is you're not enough. And the desires of, of this world, that you have in this world, and the demands on your, from your work and from your family, from your spouse, from your kids, from your grandkids, from your neighbors, these demands that we have in our lives are constantly depleting our cups, and we do not have what it takes to fill our cups fast enough. See, when we live in our own, we will always, we won't just be half empty, we will be empty. But when the Lord fills our cup, you won't be able to drink it down fast enough. It will always be overflowing. Just like in this picture, it will always be pouring over the top because the Lord can pour into our cups much faster than we could ever pour out of it. Are you facing a major problem at work or in your family? The Bible says your cup is overflowing. Is there a problem with a neighbor? Your cup's overflowing. Did you get bad news from the doctor this week? Are you facing a health crisis? Your cup is overflowing. Do you have a problem at home with your family? Your cup is overflowing. Why? Because you are seated at the table of the Lord that he has prepared for you that your shepherd has prepared for you. You are sitting securely in the presence of your enemies. You're not worried about them. The Lord is your protector. He is taking care of you. The Lord has anointed your head with oil and has placed you in a seat of honor. What could you possibly need anything else? There is nothing more that could possibly fill your cup. He has provided everything for us. And the truth is that when we look at the problems of this world, they become bigger and they become harder. But when we look at the Lord, the problems of this world slowly fade away. They become strangely dim, as the song would say. When we look at our good shepherd, it puts everything that we have in perspective. David would say, the Lord is my shepherd. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Are you sitting at the table of your shepherd? I know for me, sometimes I get busy. Maybe I wake up late. Maybe I have an assignment due that I need to work on. It can be so easy to have that temptation to say, I'm just going to spend that time with the Lord a little later today. I'm going to take care of this. What am I doing? I am neglecting the table that the Lord has prepared for me and that he has set before me. How arrogant is that of me? to ever walk away from that table and not take a seat. I want to encourage you today, if you have not spent time today with the Lord, if you have not sat at his table and sat at his feet and spent that time with him, don't go to bed tonight without spending a little bit of time with your shepherd. Sure, this is great. I love coming to church. I love spending time with people and and being encouraged and being challenged and, and encouraging and fellowshipping with one another, but this does not substitute for what the Lord has for you. See, the Lord wants a one-on-one, personal, vibrant relationship with you. He wants you to sit at his table. He has prepared it for you. All you have to do is sit down and spend time with the Lord. Maybe it's been so long and you've forgotten how to spend that kind of time with the Lord, how to sit at his table. I want to encourage you to just open your Bible. Ask him to speak to you. Just read a chapter out of the Gospels. Get re-familiar with who your shepherd is and begin following him all over again. See, even if you've been away from that table for longer than you'd like to admit, it's still prepared before you in the presence of your enemies. And he stands ready to anoint your head with oil and to take your cup and fill it up to overflowing. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for the abundant blessings that you provide for us. And Lord, there is not a person in this room that has taken full advantage of the table that you have set before us. Lord, even today, we have left things on the table, whether it be from busyness or fear or whether it be from just not thinking about it. Whatever it be, Lord, we so often leave so much on the table that you offer to us. I pray, Lord, that you would revive our hearts and our love for you. Lord, that we would wake up tomorrow with a renewed passion to sit at your table. Lord, that you would shake us and not let us get away from your table. Lord, that you would call us and that you would lead us there and that we would humbly sit at that table in that seat of honor. Lord, you have already honored us and given us so much. It's so hard for us to truly believe or understand the, the, the depth and the, the height of the love that you have for us. I pray, Lord, that you would reteach it to us and help us learn to love you and follow you the way that you deserve. We thank you that you are our shepherd and we have everything we need because of you. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.